This is probably the most challenging record you have ever put on your turntable. Don't give a what was in here, cause I'm a rider, getting down, going hard, baby, we don't stop. Don't give a what was in here, cause I'm a rider, got the things in that thing, what we don't fuck. Don't give a what was in here, cause I'm a rider, getting down, going hard, baby, we don't stop. Don't give a what was in here, cause I'm a rider. One, two, three, four, I'm testing. Father God, I am just learning how to pray. Bear with me. First, I thank you for the life of everyone that's here with me. Then I thank you for the love you give me. Why? I don't know. I don't deserve it, and it hurts inside. Many a nights I cried and called your name out loud, but didn't call you when I was doing good, too proud. And still you gave me love. I wasn't used to that. Most of the people that gave me love ended up taking it back. That's something new to me. So I'm asking you for time to adjust. Let me make it there. I will be one you can trust. 
What I stand for, I put my life on. I do. I guess what I'm asking is, show me how to stand for you. And I will rap for you, sing for you, reach for you, preach for you, teach for you. I will love you like you love me, unconditionally. And I will always be prepared for whatever the mission will be. Give the nutrition to me, and I'll properly digest it. And when I give it back, I will show you word well invested. And whenever I go, before I go, let me give. Thanks to you, Lord, for my birth, for every day that I've lived. You gave me a love most of my life I didn't know was there. I give you my life because you cared. Amen. 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 Jesus. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Preach. And every tongue that rises against me in judgment, thou shalt Preach. condemn. Lord, give me a sign. For this is the heritage of the service of the Lord. Preach. And that righteousness is of me, said the Lord. Preach. Amen. Uh. Lord, give me a sign. I really need to talk to you, Lord. Since the last time we talked, the walk has been hard. Now I know you haven't left me, but I feel like I'm alone. I'm a big boy now, but I'm still not grown. And I'm still going through it. Pain and a hurt. Soaking up trouble like rain in the dirt. And I know only I can stop the rain with just a mention of my Savior's name. In the name of Jesus. Devil, I rebuke you for what I go through. And trying to make me do what I used to. But all that stops right here. As long as the Lord's in my life, I will have no fear. I will know no from the light to the dark I will show no shame Spit it right from the heart Cause it's right from the start You held me down And ain't nothing they can tell me now Lord, give me a sign Let me know what's on your mind Let me know what I'm gonna find It's all in time Show me how to teach the mind Show me how to reach the blind Lord, give me a sign Show me what I got to do To bring me closer to you Cause I'ma go through Whatever you want me to Just let me know what to do Lord, give me a sign Show me something I'm tired of talking to him Knowing he frontin' Crying about life ain't nothing. But you either be the one mad Cause you trapped or the one hunting. Trapped in your own mind Waiting on the Lord A hunting with the word That cuts like a sword The spoken word is stronger Than the strongest man Carries the whole world Like the strongest hand Through the trials and tribulations You never let us down Jesus I know you're here with us now Jesus I know you're still with us now 
This episode of ADQ's Renaissance is brought to you by a marginalized voice. A marginalized voice written by Reginald Williams. A marginalized voice devalued, dismissed, disenfranchised, and demonized. This particular episode about ADQ's Renaissance is about someone who fits into this category. DMX, Earl Simmons, who had passed away, unfortunately, recently on April 9th, 2021, last Friday. He was very much a marginalized voice when he was younger. He came from a background that included him being um, neglected by his mother, um, introduced to crack at the age of 14, and raped at the age of 14. He is very much a marginalized voice because who sat down and had a talk with him, showing him love and everything? A lot of boys, as we will talk about in this episode, are very much marginalized, are very much ignored, are very much are very much devalued, dismissed, disenfranchised, and demonized. So check out this book, A Marginalized Voice by Reginald Williams. You will be happy that you did. Thank you very much.
Yo! Oh, dang. No, 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 no. Stop acting up on me. There you go. Yo, welcome to yet another episode of ADQ's Renaissance. I'm your host with the most. Keep it 100 from coast to coast through God. I boast. ADQ. It is Sunday, April the 10th. 2021 is it me or is this daggone year going by faster than a crack baby i'm adq yo there's my co my newest co-host on this 100th episode of adq's renaissance mr alan walls alan what's up how you doing adq what's going on man let's bring it today let's bring yeah, that heat today i'm all right brother appreciate you welcoming me on absolutely oh yeah man. Oh yeah, most definitely, man. Most definitely. Thank you for coming on, man. Shoot. Yes, hey, yes, when sir. I saw when I saw the way you dissected an episode of mine that you listened to, I was like, oh snap. Oh snap. This man's on his A's and B's. This man's on yes, his sir. I's and J's. Yes, sir. Providing that support, letting you know what's going on, and bringing my, my energy to this is my pleasure. Because the way you come at situations, where you come at topics, is broad, it's insightful, it's it's charismatic. So I'm like, let me just let me just go with this young brother. Let's see what let's see what this where this goes. Let's see what kind of energy Absolutely. he's bringing. And I was very impressed, very impressed. Thank you very much, and thank you all who are watching right now from New York, from VA, from Atlanta, from here in North Carolina. Shout out to you all. Now, <clears throat> I was trying to figure out what bells and whistles to put together for my 100 episode. 100. 100 yes. that one and that two in those two goose eggs and then and then dmx died and i thought you know what here's how i'm going to commemorate it here's how i'm going to commemorate it we gotta talk about x we guys we gotta dedicate this episode we gotta go into the next 100 episodes talking about brother earl simmons yes sir he deserves every bit of our recognition. He deserves, and, and, I'm, and I'm humbled to have known him, to have known his music, to then understand his history and where he came from, the upbringing and, uh, and that ride to where he became prominent in the game, because it's not, it's not easy to do that. But he, he is, he's internationally iconic, uh, based on his performances and based on his lyrics. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't suspect, really, that that kind of persona in that in that in that mode in terms of hip hop and where it was will become iconic internationally. So he used to be applauded, especially being a role model for a couple of other brothers came coming behind him in the game. So the recognition is surely due. And we and we are we are we are down one soldier. We are down one soldier today. And um yeah. it's, it's a sad sad occasion, but it's also an occasion of lightness. It's also an occasion to be be highlighted. His career needs to be highlighted. Yes sir. What I love about what I love about DMX is, and what I always thought about was this man is clearly not a perfect person. He yeah. is clearly a flawed individual, like we all are. But he loved God. He was a very he was a praying man. He knew his Bible. He led people in prayers all the time. If he wanted to, he could have been a deacon. I mean, no, no, no. Not only that, but if he wanted to, he could have been passing. You know, you remember how Mace, uh, Mace? Has, been going, has been going in and out, you know, past the one second, rapper next, past the rapper, past the rapper. He goes back and forth. I don't know whether he's somewhere spitting or somewhere uh, reading the Bible. Preaching. Anyway. 
DMS could DMS could transition into the ministry. He had that ability. There's no question about it. When you're thinking about how people are able to connect, there's a genuineness about an individual that attracts the ears of those that listen. The thing about DMX, Brother Simmons, was that lyrically, even in his performance on screen, you could tell that his performance was genuine, that it was authentic, that this brother, whatever he's trying to portray is genuine to himself. We, we are ones who will recognize fakeness, will recognize fakeness, and it'll yeah. be a turn off, and it'll be, it'll be criticized to no end. But with, with DMX, as you mentioned, the, a flawed individual, because we all are. Let's, let's, let's be honest. We all mm -hmm. have flaws. We all have closets. We all have demons that we either address or don't, but they are within us. So when you identify with X, you know he's transparent. He's transparent. And lyrically, he's transparent about the demons that he had to live with. You know, yeah. so I, I agree with you. I, I agree with you. He, and, and he's Mace was in and out, in and out, in and out. But DMS was always that. He was always that guy. You know, there was there was no mistaking that. You know, yeah, you he know, always had prayers at the end of his albums. He sure did. And he prayers at the end of his album was self-deprecating in the way that he he kind of envisioned his demise based on where he came from. You know, um, and again, we can all relate to that, brother. We can all we and, and it needs to be it needs to be spoken about. It needs to be it needs to be a discourse from the body. So when's the first time you heard DMS? Because before you answer, I'm gonna tell you, here's how I first heard DMS. Okay, check me out. It's 1999, I'm in ninth grade, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Um, Shelby High School. I'm people going, stop, drop, so now open up shop. I'm like, what the heck are y'all talking, oh, talking about? Stop, drop, oh. something? What are you people talking about? And some people be like, like, why are you growling at me? What the heck? <laughs> I don't like dogs. They scare me. <laughs> That's how I first heard of them. How did you first hear of them? For me, for me, it was around the time the Rough Riders movement. And I'll tell you a quick story. What's My Name came out. Right. What's My Name came out and the rhyme scheme was a little different. Like I said, I'm a little older than you. I'm an old age hip hop guy, so I'm from that era, that South Bronx, cool heart. I'm from a little bit, I'm, I identify more with that era. So when, when What's My Name came out, the rhyme scheme was different from the KRS-One and you know, even 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 the gangster rap that was coming around. It was a little different. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm a student of this night, but then I got it. And I'll tell you what happened. Because the way, he, when he said, stop, drop, open up shop, pick up mm -hmm. North Brother screaming for the cops, I was like, yeah. Now I'm at the, this is, this is, this is my story, my own personal story. Right. Back in the day, I had hair. Back in the day, I had hair. I had, I had the thing. But I decided mm -hmm. one day, you know what, I'm going to go straight ball. I'm going to go straight ball. And I go to the barbershop. And the castle of your walls, you want a ball there? Yeah. And he cuts my hair and he steps back. I'm looking like this now. He steps back and looks at me. He goes, oh, looks at his boy and says, you know who he looks like? DMX. Oh, yeah, he looked just, like, look just like DMX. That's when I yeah. ran home and I hit the Rough Riders. That's my story 
about how I really became. I know it's kind of, you know, it's kind of tangential to a certain degree, but I was like, yeah, you know, I'll go home looking at me. I'm like, because I had a little, I had to go in, in, um, in the razor blade. And I walked in Yeah, right. And I'm, I'm slight like him, I'm slim like him, you know, and about his height. I'm like, oh, snap, DMX. And I hit, I hit, what's my name, the, the, the lyrical version. And I'm like, let me just follow this brother real quick. That's when I found out more about his story, where he came from and, and, the, and the, the, the rough times he had, difficult era they came from. So that's my introduction to DMX. And I, they, they, they put him in Chris grade. I'm like, what? Yeah. I'm gonna tell you, I remember when I first saw the behind the music of DMX. Yeah. Um, it uh, uh VA on VH1. It's it, it, it was talking about how he was performing at a smaller club, and Ashley, what's up? Um, it uh, it was showing how he was performing at a smaller club and how he how it was a far cry from all of the millions and thousands they used to listen to. But if you're a true DMX fan, you've been riding with them since day one. Mm-hmm. Since the day See, the what, I hate, what I hate about the media, I mean the media, the media, what I hate about the media is they thrive off of negativity. You will show a man's negativity and his flaws before you show the positivity. I'm just now finding out about him having uh treating treating homeless people to hot dogs or um I'm just now seeing videos about how he would get concert circles and prayers and, and things like that and i wish i would have been knew that knew about that instead of riding along with the negativity that the media tried to paint them on paint on literally the media does not feel like they're being rewarded by by highlighting beneficence nigga especially and this is historical especially when it comes when it comes to african-american figures especially young african-american figures have been have been demonized in, in their upcoming we're gonna find we're gonna find something with this individual we're going to report it and we're going to blast it and that's gonna the story is going to be written by that individual who wants to blast it negative and you have to you have to invest you have to invest in an individual or in a movement to really understand exactly where that's coming from what's the groundswell in its actuality you understand so uh, that it's, it's not surprising at all Remember, if you remember, hip hop was not supposed to become anything more than a fact. Hip hop nah. was not supposed to make it out of the South Bronx. Nah. Hip hop was was prison music. It was jungle music. It was you. Were, if you remember correctly, that it was it wasn't supposed to make it to wax. To wax. It was supposed to stay in a ballpark. And that's how my mother. Supposed. Yeah, I once told my mother. I once told my mom that I was going to rap in church once, and she raised hell. Lost her mind. Lost her mind. When real students of hip hop, when real students of hip hop, number one, hip hop, hip hop is not just rap. Rap is a part of hip hop. Thank you. Hip hop is how you dress, how you talk, Thank how you conduct yourself. That's hip hop. Hip hop is cultural, right? It's a culture. Higher intellectual people um, honing one's Potential. That's the acronym I'm gonna give hip hop right now. So, so, um, so what was I about to say? So, 
So um, anybody who knows hip hop for real, for real, knows that hip hop, when when uh, expressed through rapping, is poetic, right? It's poetic. If you like poetry, then you should like hip hop. Correct. Absolutely. A lot of people huh? Yep. Hip hop is a culture. It was rap when it first became when it first became popular. When it was first broadcast, this became something. It became a movement after a while, you know. And there was such resistance for the growth of this thing. There was such resistance generationally, racially. There was resistance from it moving forward but it became so popular and then it became potentially monetized to the mm. point where it could not be ignored anymore when you start making money it becomes more accepted mainstream that's what happened this is not supposed to be the way it is today it is not there are so many who would who would be so happy if it didn't become what it was it affects people's minds the individuals, the youth, internalize this, and then it alters their behavior to align with the message of the and the etc. etc. Et and plus, we don't want to hear what's going on in the ghetto. Remember, the message came out back in the day. We don't want to want to know what's going on in the ghetto. Keep that where it's supposed to be in the ghetto. Let them deal with their problems themselves. Oh, you mean to tell me that the African American community has money? Well, you know what? Why don't we consider, you know, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, those corporate minds change. All of a sudden, it infuses itself. It injects itself in the movement for the simple objective of capitalism, period. And now, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, your child's coming home, your 14-year-old child's coming home with their pants down by their ankles. But what's going on out here? What's going on? That's how they stripping, but <clears throat> the thing, but the thing, but another great thing that I loved about DMX is he didn't really buy into that capitalism. Yeah. He was, yeah. you know, Swiss Beats. I saw a video that Swiss Beats did. He was saying how DMX he wasn't all about the money and the jewelry and none of that. He, the stories they told, those were real stories. But that that was poetry. Again, you like. I put it like this: If you like Shakespeare, you would. If you understood hip hop for what it, what it is, you like Shakespeare, you would like hip hop. Right. And, and hip hop. And hip hop was an escape for DMX to get out of the tumultuous circumstances that he was in um, when he was uh, when he was raised. But before we get into that, I got I got to know this: What's your favorite DMX song? What's my name? No question about it. If I'm feeling like I need some extra juice, it's what's my name? Not the video, not the not the, the popular version, not the one that you can broadcast. The uh, dirty version, to be honest with you. That's the one I'll blast at 10. If I need some extra juice for the day, I'll go straight to it. I'll go straight to it. Yep. Come on, boom. I love it. I love it. Easily. You wanna know what my favorite is? Yeah. Lord, give me a sign. Okay. I okay. I very much relate to the whole song, to every lyric. I very much relate to it. So, yeah. Lord, give me a sign. Yeah. What yeah. song 
that I did not understand until a interview of his that I saw today is get it on the flow. Okay, I'm trying to remember that one. Uh, Swiss Beats was like, get it on the flow, get it, get it on the flow. Oh, yeah. Right, right, right. I remember, yes, yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember that. Okay, so okay. when DMX was interviewed about uh, some of his classic songs, he was talking about Party Up up in here. You know, that's probably like his most popular yeah, song. Yeah, it is. Um, he was saying how the beat was for the club, but the lyrics weren't, right? And yeah, he said what? So what? Yeah, that that's I agree. I agree. Okay, so he said that he said that he will make a song where the beats for the club, but the lyrics aren't. And so I figured that's get it on the flow. Because with get it on the flow, you know, if you hear get it on the flow, you know, that sounds like you want to dance, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the beats jamming, but DMX is only mother talk about killing someone. <laughs> you get it in when you get it in. You get it in when you get it in. So like, that's I the part of the party like, that I don't want to rock with. I yeah, want to you know, beat someone up. Yeah, positivity. But X, X, like I said before, X is genuine. X is like, if this is what you want, you want me, this is what you get. And I understand, you know, the commercial success of it and what have you, but. If you want X, this is what you get, and you know you can you can you can appreciate that perspective. You know, listen, get on, and it, and it gets you your feet, and then you you're bopping your head, and all of a sudden you're like, wait, what did he say? You know, what what did he say? Let me figure this out later. Let me get this beat in me, but let me get this. What did? He? Yep, that's that's I can't that's. Meet the that's be like, hey girl, let's get it on the Get wait, wait, what? Hold on, what? Oh, I what, promise yeah. I'm not doing nothing to you. <laughs> but you know, we get the female on the floor. She'll she'll bop to her too. Like, all right, okay, all right, let's keep going. Let's keep going. You know, she's the kinky type that might turn her on. Say it again. I said she's the kinky type that might be that might turn her on. You you never know, man. You get them on the floor and. Hey, they hear that beat. Listen, rock right with it. On the floor. <laughs> so, I think that you know his lyrics leave much to discuss about his mental health. Um, I heard in another interview where he said he's angry all the time, and you hear that through the aggression of his delivery and through and through some of the songs you know you can hear that anger like i heard recently that his mom dropped him off at a shelter when he was like what eight nine years old and told him they were visiting and told but him, just left visiting him there. and left him there they were visiting under under the premise that they were visiting there and left him yes not That's only that, happens. but he revealed on Talib Kweli's uh, People's Party podcast. That's one of my favorite podcasts. Um, he revealed that a mentor of his, who was in his thirties, you know, probably my age, mm-hmm. slipped him a blunt filled with crack, uh, tricked him into smoking crack when he was like uh, 12, 13, something like that. 
Yeah, the rumor is that Reddy Ron slipped him a slipped him a blunt that was laced. Reddy Ron was his oh. mentor at the time. Reddy Ron is his name. Reddy that's, Ron. Uh, Reddy Ron is the is the the brother that you're talking about that took him under his wing was his mentor. He appreciated his, his beatbox skills and uh, made him his partner, brought him into his camp. So Reddy Ron was kind of established, and that's that's how that got started. Dang. That's how. Yeah, that's how. Ready one was like he get because he because remember X came out beatboxing. X right. came out beatboxing when he was at the detention centers. He decided for other than all the, the criminal activity, those of small time, the petty criminal activity. He came out beatboxing at that time. Hip hop was was common, especially among that age group in that setting. So X got with a couple of other the, the, uh, young brothers that were there, and they appreciated lyrically. Da da. da. He came out beatboxing. Ready, Ron saw him and said, "Come with me and slip him a blunt that was laced." And that's like you said, like you said, it was around the age of fourteen. You know, even his aunt slipped him a drink when he was younger. You know, so I mean, the rumors, the rumors going around, the rumors going around. Apparently, his aunt slipped him a vodka or something when he was even younger than that before he started to go away. So he came by his demons, honestly. And so I was talking with. I was talking with two brothers who, um, a couple of, a few episodes ago, one who is a mental health specialist about generational curses, right? And how our generate and how generational curses from our elders can inherently be passed down to us. Like you have got to be completely messed up in the mind to want to give crack to a 14 year old boy. You have got to be like, you have got to be the worst type of parent to drop your child off at a shelter under the premise that they're just visiting. No question we, about it. We are a very, very generationally, generationally cursed people because there are because it's in our elders. To do things like that, along with abuse, rape. Oh, uh, yeah. He when he was fourteen, I think when he was fourteen, a twenty-six-year-old woman raped him. Add that, that, that. Add that. Add that. Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. Now, now, mind you, mind you. When I was fourteen, I was throughout my entire childhood. I was, you know scoping and looking at older women and stuff but mm -hmm. still 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 when you are 26 what could you possibly see in a 14 year old what could you possibly see in them the mental deficiency there are just astounding now let's set a little context here a little context so x's mother was a teenager when she had, right. not she had, she had a child before him, so she was a young mother, um, and also she apparently was in some abusive relationships as well. So her boyfriends were abusive to ex, inclusively. So and so when she made the decisions that she made, especially dropping him off, it's not to excuse or discard any of this, any of what happened. It's not to excuse it, but just to set the context for where ex actually came from and the trauma that he had endured from an early age. 
and it started like you said like like we said 14 year old getting laced and a rape by a 26 year old you have to be a damaged a severely damaged individual to think that this is okay and not to even and not to even consider how this is going to affect this young brother long term you're not even considering that so as you said generationally these are these are issues that we have to deal with and x is a x is a prime example yeah how consequential these actions can be on, on a young brother. When I was 14, 26 year old, wow, you know, I never have a shot, but but to have to know that it happened to him on top of the other the other traumatizing issues in his in his childhood. Come on now. This 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 ending, I'm sorry to say it, is almost predictable. That the rest of his life and, and the abuse, the substance abuse, yeah, is is predict living on a street. Living in a Salvation Army bins at that age, that mental health issue is, is something that, that, that needs to be confronted, that needs to be admitted to, especially knowing what the outcome could be, man. You know, so that's the kind of thing I want What was, I heard, I, I think I might have heard a theory about his fascination with dogs. Uh, would you know about? Would you know for sure what was his fascination uh, to straight dogs? Actually, there's a cousin of mine who was in the dance troupe. He danced with EPMD back in the day. EPMD came out around the same time in the nineties, and so he's got a chance to talk to X and, and explain to me that X is as genuine as you see. What you what you see is him. His fascination with dogs uh, is it, it makes sense because. Dogs are that genuine. They are who they are, for one. And their loyalty. <laughs> their loyalty. And when you're when you're loved by something or someone despite your own your own issues, and that's what that's what I understood. That straight dogs would would uh would be would would, would be a, would be linked to him. They would they would befriend him. And so anybody and think about it. In that circumstance, if you're befriended by anybody and you've been pushed away by everybody, you're not loved by anybody else, but anyone or anything does love you, that's where his fascination came from. And their aggression, their aggressiveness when it comes to being protective of somebody. You know, it, that's also coming from a loyalty standpoint. That is their aggressiveness when they're protecting somebody. That's X. That's the personification of who X is. You, re you remember how hurt you've been. But you recognize when someone recognizes you, real recognize real, and you'll protect. And you have one person or one thing that recognizes you and embraces you. He was embraced by stray dogs for no reason. You're dirty, you're smelly. He tells he has a lyric that says, "My pants got up one time when I was in the shelter, and it took a shower by itself." That's how dirty I was. And as downtrodden as you are, someone or something embraces you genuinely. That's where the fascination came from. When I'm, when I'm down, and you know this, ADQ, you know this. You know, you recognize the people who understand you and embrace you and don't criticize you non-judgmental uh, non when you're down. Not when you're up. Not when you got money in your pocket. Not when you got fame. Mm -hmm. You remember those who were there. You know, don't, don't come calling on me now. Remember when I was down and out? Remember when you wouldn't pick up the phone? Remember when you criticized me? Family member family members criticize you because of the choices you made or the or the the, the behavior you display. 
Don't call me now. Now I'm doing well. You know, that's well, a long ride of way of saying, I understand. I understand. <laughs> I always tell people, if you can't love me in my lowest, don't love me in my highest. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. The thing, the, the sad thing about that is people think short term and they didn't think long term when they were doing that. They didn't think that this behavior would affect this kid's life for the rest of his life and ultimately lead to his demise. Sure. Because sure. yeah, he died. He died from he died from a drug overdose. He did. He did. His heart, his heart gave out as a result of years or decades of substance abuse. And um, in my past, I've dealt with what they call at-risk population. I've served at-risk population who are, uh, who are suffering similar circumstances. And I've dealt with hundreds of them from an empowerment standpoint. So this is a very relatable story when it comes to how the long, what long-term effects or consequences have. And these are these young kids, same age when he began, 14, 15, 16, um, leads to imprisonment, substance abuse, um, poverty. It's it's a real issue. And I've and I've dealt with it face forward in confrontation with them in an in an effort to bring them out. And that's why this story resonates so much with me, because I see X in so many of the youth that I have served over the years, even today, serving individuals who are incarcerated. And their stories are similar to his. And what's the, the common thread is that A, it's not recognized for what it is. The circumstances are not recognized for what the consequences would be. And B, what kind of services are there out there to ameliorate these individuals' mindsets to heal? It's, it, they just don't exist. There's a there's a broad, huge, overreaching conversation about mental health, opioid use. There's a huge kind. We know it's it's political now. Once something becomes political, you know. But that's another story. Yeah. But there's a huge conversation about that now, as if this hasn't been taking place the entire crack era. But that's another story, another conversation on entirely. But what is the real impact? of these services. And I've spoken with many substance abuse professionals about this issue. Um, and they are informing me of how necessary this is. And so you really can't be confused about the, con the outcome, the consequences. They're not addressed properly. They're, they're addressed from a, from a, like I said, monetization standpoint. And how much money can we make from this crime? You know, where there's a crisis, there's an opportunity. It's a saying that way. So, what what are we really what are we really doing? And, I, and I'm and I'm so glad that you and I made it. So you made the decision to have this discussion because perhaps it will be prevalent in other wider discussions. This is this is real. This is real. And 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 X said that he's always angry, and I disagree. I disagree. I think he's always hurt. Yeah. Anger is a result of being hurt. He's hurt. He was always hurt. And the anger came as a result of that. And you would be too. And the reason why I say that is if you saw him with his daughter 
He wasn't angry, was it? When you saw him on Versus with Snoop Dogg last summer, he wasn't angry, was it? When you saw him in the interview praising or playing homage with Rakim as the greatest lyricist, he wasn't angry, was he? So the brother is genuine at heart. But the demons will always take you to that dark place. So he's very, very sentimental, very emotional, you know, and, and transparently so. And then that and that makes sense to me because again, in, in serving some of the angry, angry <laughs> incarcerated or youth that I've dealt with, these are these are the most loyal, loyal, give you the shirt off their back, brothers. But that's anger. No, that's mischaracterized as anger. They're mm. not anger. They're hurt. And they're looking for something to be them genuine selves toward or about. Does that, does that make sense? Makes all sense? Makes all sense in the world because um, two two people weren't thinking about right now, right? Mm -hmm. So I have my, so that's my uncle, right? He uh, he died last year. He was basically year basically years of drugs, alcohol, drugs and alcohol, and um, put him in dialysis. Uh, put him in dialysis state. Uh, he had he had to take dialysis, and he just got so sick that you know he basically had no more life left in him. Mm -hmm. And um, from what I know about my uncle, yeah, this is my uncle. I'm talking about. I don't even know that much about him. That's why I really didn't. That's why I didn't cry when he died. I mean, I knew him, but I didn't know him. If that makes any sense? Yeah, it does. But I know that he comes from a household that was unstruck, uh, kind of unstructured in a way. And then I think about a friend of mine. Right, he's a crip. You think Crip, you think gangbanger, your your mind already goes to neg negativity. But I'm not gonna plug. I'm going. I'm not gonna plug the book. I'm I'm gonna start plugging the book in uh, advertisement in separate advertisements uh, on the episodes of the podcast. But the link is in the title. Get it. Evangelize mine. Anywho, um, a friend of mine, like I said, he's a Crip. You think you see Crip? You already think negativity because of what mainstream media has put in your mind. But that brother is one of the most loving, caring, most genuine people I've ever met in my entire life. And CRIP stands for Community Revolution in Progress. So, you know what I'm saying? And the amazing, yes. he loves love CRIPs. It's them street dudes, it's them street dudes who who mainstream media has taught you to be afraid of, those are the most genuine, loving, caring dudes that you know of. Easily. A lot Easily. of them just need to know that they're loved back. They need to know that they have options. What are options? They were not They were not informed about any other options. If this is how you grow up, you're being acculturated by this, by the gang. And like I said, I, mean, I deal with these people. I deal with the Crips and the Bloods. And they can sit in the same room and find common ground just because there's empowerment ahead of them. So <clears throat> my experience, my personal experience with this population, if you will, is so very different from 
from the from the media accounts of these things. So I can speak genuinely about, I can speak informatively about what the mindset is and what the real, the actual circumstances are when you're talking about the media contrasted with the actual, the actual story. And that's why, of course, as you mentioned, as you just mentioned, taught to be feared. Politically, it's a, it's a talking point that there are gangs everywhere. They kill. And I'm in the room with them, ADQ. I'm in the room with them and we're laughing. And we're supporting each other. I just want to say, I just want to say for and the record. And we're providing positive information. I just want to say for the record, yeah. in 1994, a politician gave a long, lengthy speech of why those people that you are in the room with should all be locked up. That politician is now, that politician is now the president of the United States, whom a lot of people who look like us overwhelmingly supported. Do your history on that snake, Joe Biden. Anywho, anywho, I'm sorry. Back to what you were saying. Yeah, they try. They try to kind of bury that story. The only be that's a whole nother podcast, brother. We <laughs> we got that's a whole nother that's a whole nother conversation. They buried that story for one and two. If he wasn't running up against that knucklehead, it would have been more. It would have been more uh, profile. But that's a whole nother story. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. You you can't. It, it's pervasive. You can't get away from the fact that. Um, there's a certain conversation, a certain dialogue regarding us and regarding that population. But I can't. But I've been doing this too long. I've been doing this too long to know the value, the real value. And so when I when I'm having the discussion of empowerment with them, and we discuss everything like X's demise, and, you know, the real the real street knowledge of what what happens, or what takes place. A part of that is let's discuss options. What are, what are your options at this time? These, and you mentioned it. The, you know what the most intelligent, smartest, resourceful, hardworking, capable individuals? I know them personally. But if you don't have, oh, yeah. <clears throat> if a slate of options is not presented as an alternative to what they're doing, what do you expect to see happen? What do you expect to see? Why are, you, why are we confused? about why certain youth go down certain paths for one and two not every young brother is a yo is a crip or a blood or a gang member what what do we and i have this conversation i'll make this point i have this conversation with some people all the time if we would ask that question think about it we would ask the question that goes like this are there more black men in college or in prison in america what's the answer and nine times out of ten 19 times out of 20 it's prison which is statistically wrong mm. statistically wrong yes there was a report done in 2007 i think the pew research center did a report in 2007 just on this and it indicated that there were more african-american men in prison than in college which is statistically wrong at that time they weren't including numbers from those enrolled in, in historically black colleges they weren't counting numbers of individuals black men who were in college in prison they weren't including numbers of those of those enrolled in colleges that were not necessarily accredited to a certain level 
But when you add up all the numbers, there were way more black men in college than in prison. But that's not going to get out because that's not a political talking point that anybody can benefit from. Why don't we stay with the mainstream dialogue or discourse that says black men need help because there are more black men in prison than in college. Statistically, it is wrong. Do you understand? Do you understand why that that particular statistic would be buried? Uh, yeah, no, because if if uh, the power structure that is governed by racism um, puts out a certain puts out a certain puts out cer- a certain narrative about a certain group of people whom they see as a threat in one way or another then people who are miseducated will latch on to that fact and they will herald it as pure, as pureness. Right. That is why, that's why, um, that's why there were times when I was sitting in the lobby of a hotel when I lived in Winston-Salem, right? I lived in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Uh, there were times when I was sitting in a hotel lobby, just sitting by my own business, chilling, thinking about going to go get some coffee. However, I was a chocolate black man, husky size, mm-hmm. baggy clothes. Black security officer sees me, tells me to leave. I walk across the street because I just wanted to sign a, a, a card on a hard surface. Man falls me there, kicks me out again. Um, once I got lost while walking into a hotel, I was I got lost, and black woman, black man kicked me out, and they staring at me like I'm a, like I'm a criminal. So miseducated black people who are the black bourgeoisie or the black elite take knowledge, uh, take knowledge of this of this narrative that is put out by the racist white power structure that says I, because I am chocolate, because I have this youthful glow, because I have locks I'm a criminal and that's fake news yes sir yep and it says that because DMX wore baggy clothes, cut in his music probably up probably smoked a lot he's no good when he was when I would probably when I love I love to hear him pray and talk about God more than your favorite preacher you sir as well as X are the reason why we black people cannot move forward you sir are the reason why we can't realize our educational Inspirations and meet our potential. You, sir, are the reason why I have to be defensive about being African American while I am a bourgeoisie black man who's been successful. Were it not for you, sir, I will be accepted by the white establishment. I'm tired of defending you, sir, because of your locks and you walls because of your bald head you think that you're somebody because you have an education you are making us uncomfortable 
DMX is making us uncomfortable. I can't, I can't excuse it to my white colleagues. Ah. I think you had to deal with that population before. Brother, remember, I mean, I don't think I told you this part, but when I, when I graduated high school, I graduated from prep school, I was the only African-American male in my class. We were a very small school. I was the only African-American male, very aristocratic school. Right. Um, I played I played tennis at a time when tennis was supposed to be around. Arthur Ashe was just a name, but I played tennis, which is supposed to be a white country club. I ski. And so I've been confronted with the eyes that go, why, if I walk in a room, ADQ, you're the same way. When you walk in a room, decisions are made about you. They're made about you. First of all, you can't possibly, I love this part, you can't possibly be intelligent with the locks in the beard. <laughs> Unbelievable. This young brother is as intelligent and well-rounded a brother and charismatic, and you all ignoring all of that? Because if I walk in, they want to know what I'm doing there. I have a suit on. They want to know whose job am I there to take? Who, why, as much of a threat as I am, you know that. And I've been pulled, I've been pulled over. That's the common stories. I've been pulled Me too. over. Me too. And you know, when it's funny because when I got pulled over, I have to go to my Columbia Ivy League voice. Officer, how are you, sir? You know, that that's that's what I have to do. How are you, sir? Fine, I'm on my way to a football practice. I am somebody who, you know, I have to I have to on the spot go bilingual. Yes, sir. I'm one that is trying to uh, uh better my and he goes, this is what he asked me. Uh which high school? What difference does that make? What difference does that make? You pulled me over to find out where I went to high which I went to St. George's Preparatory School in Newport, Rhode Island. Oh, you did? All of a sudden I get my license back. But what if? What if I'm I, I committed the same infraction, which was changing lanes? But what if I had a bad day? What if mm. what if I'm angry for some other reason? Whenever what a if, cop pulled me over, whenever a cop pulled me over, I want to break out my ice cube. Uh, I'm going to break out my ice cube voice. Right, right, and that's that's my inclination, Officer Dave. So my age, I wasn't doing nothing wrong. You heard so. You know, so you want to charge me? Let me know what's going on. All of a sudden, the whole tone of conversation changes. It changes right there, and I didn't do any the same infraction, same infraction, officer. You know, what I'm saying I don't know why you pulled me over. You heard, but um, you know, maybe we could talk about whatever it is. I got some place I need to be. And all of a sudden, the officer, well, can you tell about the car, sir? We were we witnessed with you, and we looked at your tags, and uh, we just like to speak to you for a second. What's the difference between that and hi officer, how are you? Like David Chappelle would do. Hi officer, how are you? Yes, I'm fine. I'm having a wonderful day, lovely day. Thank you. What's the difference? You know, so those misconceptions, preconceived conceptions, you, we're not gonna get away from it. We're not gonna get away from it, man. It's it's man. it's a reality. It's a reality. You all are tuning in to ADQ's Renaissance. I'm ADQ. This is my co-host Alan Walls. We are talking about DMX and the circumstances that he probably had that I'm pretty sure he had to deal with during his 50 years of life. He unfortunately passed away from us on uh, Friday and we are commemorating him. And now that we've talked about all that sad stuff, let's talk about some happy stuff. His movies. Now, I saw Belly last night, right? I saw Belly. Two acting careers, I can tell, 
were established from that. And that was DMX's and Method Man. Nas, man. Nas is one of my all-time favorites. Love Nas. He's on my top five. But the brother can't act. He cannot act. Bless his heart. <laughs> he tried so hard. Bless his heart. I remember Belly, and I remember I remember Nas's performance, and uh, I, you know, just embrace the brother. You just want to say bless your heart, bro. Uh, you know, and I'm with you. Top five, all time, top five. You know, um, it may be top five, top ten, but um, he, his his acting career stayed right there. <laughs> being being an actor myself, it stayed, it stayed right there. Right DMX and Meth, they have the character. I'll, I'll give well, you a uh, As a, uh, you know, we're actors. So I would say, I would say that while DMX was probably, one thing I think DMX and Nas were basically playing themselves. Right. But right. I think that with DMX's roles, he was able to fault the show different dimensions of himself in different circumstances. Does that make sense? Right. I agree. I agree. So yeah, uh, being a father, especially because my favorite, my favorite DMX movie was Cradle to the Grave. Without Why Jet Li, one the premise, um, the premise. I'm I'm a father of a daughter, and so when he was protecting his daughter and that relationship there, I identify with very very closely. That's one. Destin Jet Li was also coming out, um, becoming more of a prominent. Star, and I, and I like the story. The storyline in terms of getting his daughter was kidnapped, getting his daughter back. Um, Gabrielle Union was in it; she was strong in it. So I thought the entire production. I mean, she they had real actors in this one. The Hype Williams one, the Belly one, became a cult classic, but it failed early. I don't know if you remember. It failed in the box office early. It was it was it was panned early, but like it became a cult classic. Mm -hmm. You know, with the it's a cultural classic. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a, so I mean, Cradle to the Grave was was, was for me. I, I I like I just like the artistry. I like I liked it. I like the court. I like the um the videography. I liked it. Anthony Anthony Anderson was in it. So you know, Jet Li and Anthony Anderson and DMX all acted together in Cradle to the Grave and uh, Romeo Must Die. Yeah, and Romeo Must Die. So what do you think of DMX I, and Romeo Must Die? I thought he was good. I thought he was good. And I think the he had he had a broader upbringing. A, a, a more diverse upbringing than perhaps Nas did, you know. So he's able to bring those experiences to the roles. I think that's why he's more well-rounded in that in that uh, genre than maybe the other actors were. But you know, I know Hype Williams was doing back when he did Belly. I understand what he was doing. Get those names, give give those brothers a shot. Put a storyline around it. Make the opening, and it will attract the you know, attract the African American youth audience or the audience. For that. I get it. I, I get it. You know, but or you know, when Cradle to the Grave, he had actual actors there. You know, so that that diluted anything else. So I'm good with that. Uh, before we before we went on, you were saying some. You were saying that uh, the opening of um, Belly kind of like made you uncomfortable a little bit, right? Only because seeing, because I, I wanted to see it again. I hadn't seen it for years, and I wanted to see it like yesterday. And the newest, the newest news about the recent news about X and seeing him, and, and first of all, hearing the op his opening um, poetry, 
mm-hmm. and then seeing him so I, it wasn't uncomfortable it wasn't discomfort it was kind of reminiscent i'm like oh can't believe he's not here can't believe he's not here yeah. i it's think sad. also sad. i think also that dmx you know kind of like flourished more towards an acting career than Nas did because Nas is like very introverted. Yes. I think that um I think that DMX is is a little bit more is was a lot more uh, extroverted than Nas it was. I agree. I agree. I agree. You you even heard, you yeah, hear the like Nas interview you hear it. He's just he's he's always that guy that you hear from either. He's just that guy. Yeah. He stays he stays in that lane. Yeah, Nas is Virgo like I am. <laughs> Virgo power. Yeah, I always want to ask you, man. When you say Virgo power, because I'm not like astrologically sound that way. What is what is what does that mean? What what is that? What is <laughs> this is what I mean when I say Virgo power. So that's me celebrating the that's me celebrating the fact that I share the same astrological sign as Nas. Beyonce, Bernie Sanders, and some others who I can't think right off top. Uh, a girl I used to date, whom I dated for a very, 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 very short period of time. Uh, which I wouldn't advise. I wouldn't advise fellow Virgos to date other Virgos. It, 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 nah, it won't work. It won't work. So. And also the fact that sometimes when I see the description of a Virgo, I'm like, oh my God, that's me. I'm like, dang, that's me to a T. <laughs> and also I look at I look at other Virgos like Nas, like Beyonce, like Ludacris. Um and look and see, okay, if there's are there are there any common traits in our behaviors okay um i'm pretty i'm pretty sure that Nas is the type of person who loves hard right i'm the type of person that loves hard like when i am talking to a woman i have to restrain myself because i love hard um like not Nas is introverted i'm extroverted but i have my introverted days uh, Beyonce is super, super, super artistic. I was super, super, super artistic. Like, I love Black is King. Uh, okay. Bernie Sanders comes off like someone who bucks the system. I buck the system. Yeah. Respect. Respect. So, okay. so yeah. Because my mother's a Leo Virgo. She's on the cusp. So she has, she's had Virgo as well. So I just want to get some insight from another Virgo with that. <laughs> What that looks like, and that makes sense. Uh, uber artistic, uber, uber artistic, uber creative. No question about well, it. Introverted. Yep, you're right. You're right. I got it. Well, my mom is a Leo. My mom is a Leo, and this girl that I'm trying to get with right now is a Leo. So let's see how that goes. <laughs> Work hard, brother. Work hard. <laughs> Do your thing. But yeah, I, I but, going back to X and Nas, yeah. So, so, um, so, so let's see. I know that I know he did other movies other than you know Ace of Wounds, Cradle to the Grave, Romeo Must Die, and Belly. What else did he do? 
It's something else. He's got Johnson trying to run now. Never die alone. He didn't never die alone. All right, you did. Right. He didn't never die alone. Yeah, That's that true. was with Michael Ely and David Arquette. Started to come out. Right. Right, 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 right. He did. But at that time, at that time, they weren't trying to include uh they were trying to capitalize on the fame and the popularity of rap stars at that time. Um, so right. that's that's one of the reasons why it's one of the reasons why they were more they were more featured in uh in movies. Just about that time is when you saw you saw musical artists become a part of major motion picture uh, films. So they tried to get as much as they could out of them, you know. Um, but he's he's an, he's an artiste. He's an artiste, mm-hmm. and that's. The way who else went that way? Cube went that way. Snoop Dogg went that way of the feature film. You know, capitalizing. You know where it's coming from. Let's capitalize on this, this African American culture and movement. You know, the big, the big, the big uh, film producers or the studios. Let's capitalize on these this, on this popularity. Out Not based off of their skills, but based off the fact that they have a name. That they have a name. Value. A name. At that time, yeah. At that time, yes. And you know, I, I, I pre- you can appreciate that. I mean, you can appreciate that, but you know where they're going with that. As a matter of fact, that that kind of angered some actual actors who were not who were not artists because they felt that these up and coming rap stars were taking acting roles that should have been given to actual actors. Okay, so have you seen the movie on the bus? Was it? You on the bus? Yes. Okay, yes. so I forget the character's name, but. One character in the movie was an actor, right? And he got a call from his agent saying that a role that he was going for went to Ice Cube. I feel like that's kind of like an actual feeling that some actors get. It is. You know about the Spike Lee one with, with, with uh, Charles yeah. Dutton and Andre Brower? Yeah. Strongest. Wow. Strong cast. But yes, that's yeah. exactly right. And, and they have a, a feel of entitlement when you're an actor like that, when you're Andre Brown, Charles Dutton. There's a certain, a certain entitlement among some of them that say, why is Cube here? And you have to accept that this is where, this is the direction that things are going. That this swath of African-American culture needs to be included or should be included or is going to be included. Uh, they're, going, they're going to cross lines from the musical to the, the uh, cinema. I mean, uh, for goodness sake, have you seen Ice Cube in... Boys in the hood. I'm proud of him. I'm proud. And you know what's funny, man? I'll bring this up really quick. What's up? When Gangster Raps first started, and that movement of real street rap, Biggie and that, that they they like criticized so badly. Like Ham when Hammer came out, you see Hammer came out with the Hammer pants and the Hammer shoes. Cartoon yeah. and everything, they lit him yeah. up. They lit him up for crossing outside of of rap to become something different. To be, and you know, they 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 made fun of him, you mm-hmm. know. But then all of a sudden, years later, we got Ice Cube doing "Are We There Yet?" A, a family movie, you know. And I just I just find that to be very very interesting. That all mm-hmm. of a sudden now in the game that. Kidding play at the time. They they were scared that Biggie was going to say something about them and, and tank their career. But all of a sudden, we have guys appearing in movies and like that. So that's where the movie. All of a sudden, you have 
Also, you have Ice T, who made a whole song called "Cop Killer," playing a <laughs> cop. So what? No, and he's not. Like, well said. <laughs> All of a sudden, just for you. What? So you know, it's just—it's just—it's it's an interesting take on where the movement can go and what thing what can happen. All of a sudden, yes, Snoop Dogg and with Denzel doing Training mm. Day with Dre, huh? And it's the same group that said the media and all of that. Okay, you just embrace the brothers, man. Embrace them. <laughs> See, I would say me. Speaking as someone, speaking as someone who, speaking as a trained actor, I mean, of course, I got more training to do, but you know, I've received training. Mm-hmm. I've also dropped some hip hop mixtapes, so you know, I got, so you know, I got, I got a, I got a leg, I got a whole leg, two, a leg and a knee in one world, and some toes in the other, in in, in another world, right? Doesn't really bother me. I mean. If you are fit for the role, you are fit for the role. I can't picture nobody else playing Doughboy. No question about it. He he owned those and, roles. And X, he had the type of character. Okay, so how about this? I, I'll put it this way. When you look at most of your well-known actors, a lot of them are really just playing themselves unless they are a character actor. Someone along the lines of Daniel Day Lewis or so what's another uh, methodical character actor out there? Joe Pesci has a ring. Huh? Joe Pesci has rain. He has rain. She can cross over. Who else? Who else? Okay, what's a black one? You think you think Denzel falls in that category? Denzel is an interesting case because to me, Denzel is so polished as an actor that whatever role is given him, it becomes distinct from all the other roles. So when he did Training Day, because it was a time when Denzel did try a comedic role. It was so, I don't remember the name of the movie, but he was in a movie with Bob Hoskins, the English actor way back in the day. And he played he his persona in the movie. The plot was his persona persona was in Bob Hoskins' body. He died, and, and it was a comedic role, and it it, it, did, <laughs> it it didn't work. But he's an actor who I think can just own a role. Like you can't see him anybody else playing Troy. You can't see anyone playing Alonzo. You can't see anyone else playing really Malcolm X the way Spike Lee had portrayed it. You know, so I think he I think he's diverse that that way. He's so polished. He's so good. He's so talented. You know, it's, it's interesting because I always what about actors that play one note, which is kind of what you're saying. One note. Mm-hmm. Like they, that's exactly what you're saying. Is no matter what, it's them playing a role, not the role. Not the character itself. It's always them playing a role. Sidney Poitier had that back in the day. Whatever role Sidney played, it was one note. The aggressive, black, intelligent man. You know, you know what I'm saying? But I definitely hear what you're saying. What actor plays can just play one note, but is assigned a character's name. You know, can you can you be diverse? Can you change paces? Can you change speed? And you, like you said, when you're trained as an actor, you're trained as part of it. 
when I was trained as an actor, your rhythm, your pacing, all of that needs to be considered when you are bringing a specific role to life, a specific character to life on stage or on screen. You know what I mean? So the training, the training has everything. You think X? Uh, you think X might took some acting classes? I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Control. He had control over his mannerisms and and uh, and his his presentation. He had kind because of control. One thing, because one thing, yo, check this out. So he was featured in Romeo Must Die. He was a cameo, a comedic cameo, kind of like you know making a parody of himself in Top Five, the Chris Rock joint of uh, Top Five. Yeah, yeah. But he was the leading headline role in Belly, Exit Wounds, and Romeo Must Die, and Never Die Alone. He had discipline. I'm not sure where it came from. He had acting discipline. So when he when we when he was given the role, I would love to know what his preparation process was because when he was given the role, he understood the role in uh, with regard to the entire plot, and he understood the character with regard to how it related to the entire plot. This he had a discipline that I'm not sure where he got that from. I'm not sure. I mean, like I know Tupac took acting classes. You know, it's not well known, but there's a discipline that came with him. So when you say, did he take acting classes? I I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised at all. He made those roles distinct. Well, I mean, okay. Did someone just say he's that talented or, <laughs> or, or what? You know, but it needs, definitely needs to be recognized and revered for sure. Most definitely, most definitely. So, yeah, he was just he was just a very talented man. You know, everything he touched turned everything he touched turned to gold. I mean, he did not put out a bad album. Almost all of his studio albums that were released during his life, almost all of them. I don't think that Grand Champ did that well, or I don't think that Grand Champ of Year of the Dog Again did that well. I think they both went went gold. But first three, platinum. News has it that his first, he's the only rapper whose first five albums debuted at number one. Yeah. First five albums. Never happened before. You know, that's a, there's also a song that, you know, he's like, ooh, this song is very much needed for this time frame, this day and age, 2021. Yeah. It's actually a song that he did with Funkmaster Flex. Um, off of uh, Funk Master Flex's 60 Minutes of Funk. I forget which volume, but it's a song with Funk Master Flex called Do You. He's basically telling people, don't do me, do you. I wonder if that was a shy at Ja Rule, because I know that X and Ja Rule were beefing for a while. They were. <laughs> ja Rule beefing with everybody. <laughs> Don't nobody like Ja Rule. I'm ja, sorry, ja, if you're out there listening, and you're a Ja Rule fan, listen, check me out. I'm not the biggest 50 Cent fan. I'm not. Neither am I. But I admire how he was, how he was right here when it came when it came to rapping. Yeah. But then he dropped, but then he dropped How to Rob. He dissed everybody. 
signed with Eminem and went way up here. And then, you know, after 2007, after he dropped Curtis, you know, his star, as far as, far as rapping, was starting to fade. Did that stop him? No, he kept making music and he started making investments, investments, investments. He was already, you know, sort of on the radar with when it came to acting, but then he started executive producing. Then, boom, you got power. Love the man's business moves. Love it. Hate his rapping. Don't like his rapping at all. Only like one fifty cents song. I get money. Other than that, but love his business moves. The fiftieth law that he wrote with Robert Greene. Love the book. Love the book. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm getting at. When so after hearing all, <laughs> after hearing all of these freaking mushy gushy, jaw rolling shanty songs, at the turn on MTV and BET every summer. Uh, I love Ashanti. Yeah, my Ashanti. After hearing all of that, here's 50 Cent. He was mumbling while he was doing Yeah, Jaru, Jaru, where? G, you lit. Yeah, I love Jaru. Hearing how 50 Cent, Eminem, even Dr. Dre and Buster Rhymes got in on the party, collectively destroyed Jaru. I was like, Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> he only put yeah. on one more mushy gushy a shot a song with a shanti since then. And that was a remake of the song Helpless from Hamilton because Lin Manuel Miranda utilized the Ja Rule and Ashanti muse when writing that song. The song's great uh, by itself with uh, uh, the lady, what's her name, Renee Goldsberry? What's her name? Yeah, I think so. yeah, yeah her. Her, her yeah. and Lil' Mamo Miranda. I don't even know that. I go, Ashanti. Man, I loved hearing all that junk that 50 Cent was talking about Ja Rule. And, and daggone, if DMX had some junk to say about him, I would love to hear that too. Because... <laughs> Yo, the only reason why I like his song New York, I like his song New York. You wanna know why? Because of my man Jada Kiss. (laughs) Love Jada Kiss. Jada Kiss is my guy. Jada's me. Jada Kiss. Jada's respected by the old hip hop dudes. Jada's name will be brought up by the old hip hop, old heads. And that's rare. That's rare that an old head will look at anyone from this generation and you know the newest and 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 uh and applaud them but jade is the name that'll be brought up it is me jade is tough but ja i feel bad for him. i'm a, i'm a, i'm gonna go to bat for you ja i'm a <laughs> poor ja he I, he just i hadn't understand this is a documentary he, he made an investment to what they call fire the fire and line they, they had a whole thing and <laughs> he put his name all over there <laughs> I mean, you're talking about a, a classically disastrous investment. Oh my yeah. goodness! And he was all over that. I had I wanted to hug him. I'm like, hey, you can't see it coming. I'm like, John, you can't see disaster coming, and you promoting. So I mean, knowing that about him, I just want to I just want to embrace the brother. <laughs> I feel so bad for him. How is not really public anymore? Yeah, fifty destroyed him. Fifty destroyed him. Yes, it was 
it was it was like you just you want to sit there like oh 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 just he's just taking blows so oh my goodness and then, he got, and then he got eminem after him yeah and he got m what is what he, what's wrong with you you go after eminem what is wrong with you one of okay eminem is a rap institution okay yeah you 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 just you just want suicide now M, M will yeah. take you down. You don't do. I mean, you don't step in certain waters. M is one of them. You're gonna get destroyed. You're gonna get like he took out Benzino. You're gonna get destroyed. You know. So well, wasn't nobody really miss when Benzino, you know, as as a rapper, you know, Benzino had announced that he co-owns the source just to get source. some credibility. Yeah, some credibility. Yeah, you know, he was just trying to mess with people, but. <laughs> And he sold his stock and source or something like that. But you don't mess with him. I I, I'm, I love you, John. Go get him. Stay stay up, John. Stay stay up. Oh my goodness. Hey, you know. <laughs> and you know, I think that the I think that the reason for the disagreement, we'll call it a disagreement between Ja Rule and X, was because I think that X might have felt like Ja was trying to sound like him. Cause both of them had them had Rough that boy. very deep, Rough. yeah. The gruff. But I think that X used it better. You know what I'm saying? John Rule was thinking all the time. I love me and It don't match him. It don't. Jaws Jaws flow like that. That gruff flow. Don't you don't you don't run up against X's X's gruff. X's gruff is real. X's gruff is him. It's not it just it's not just a voice. It's his persona. His whole persona is that. You know what I'm saying? He earned that. He he came by that honestly. I don't feel like when Ja does his thing, that he comes by honestly. You know what I'm saying? And you seen with Ashanti and whatever. It's just <clears throat> give it up, give give it up. I'm like yo, okay, just give it up, just give it up. Uh, I admit, I like that. I like that living it up joint. I like that song. Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying the voice itself, the the gruff voice somehow, you know, it's, it's, it was it was popular, it was, it was it was kicking, but I'm like the voice itself, I, you know, X, X is you like you look at him like yeah, that's him to the core, you know, that's how. Yeah, because X had asthma. That's the reason why his voice was so rough. I know, yeah, he bron- asthma. Yeah, he was bronchial, yeah, but it's still oh, yeah. national. Man, so he had bron- so he had bronchitis. Yeah, it was Brown. Yeah, it was Brown. Man, X was a soldier, man. He was a soldier. Lost a soldier. Lost a soldier. Um, and, I think, like, the last major joint they dropped was um from the Godfather of Harlem uh, soundtrack. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, it, yo, it seemed like he was making a comeback. You know, he, he had re-signed with Def Jam. He did that joint. You know, Rick Ross was on the first verse. And X, you know, um, he was yelling a lot, but you know, he he, he made it rock. He made it rock. Right. And right. word is right. he completed a documentary and a brand new album. Did he? Okay. Did he? Okay. Yeah. So X left us with X left us with a couple things. Now he looked now like he I said when he when he did verses last year like with uh with uh, Stoop, he looked okay. I mean, I was proud of him. Having you know, got looks like he got himself together, and he was on his way to making comeback, as you mentioned. But the thing about addiction, especially chronically chronic addictions, is that it can happen at any moment. 
you can relapse badly. You can have an episode at any moment, a fatal one. No matter how far you may have come back or how much you have recovered or been in recovery, that demon is always right on your shoulder. It can happen in a split second. And all of a sudden, the consequences of what happened happen. So no matter how you look on Tuesday, Wednesday's another day for you to continue to regard or fear your demons, to be very, very aware of your demons. Because Wednesday could be the day that you relapse and don't come back. How many how many soldiers have we lost to that? Where you think they, they think you're on the road to recovery and they look good and all of a sudden, bam. Because you don't know what that substance actually does internally to, to the organs and to, to the heart and things like that. Where it, you, know, once, you don't even know it, you're this far away from, from, from an episode that ends in demise. You know, but, I mean, serious and you know it's like it's like um i'm a christian and um there is a there's a there's a popular belief in the christian faith that if you pray and pray and pray and believe that you are free from something you are and that could be the case but you've got to put the work in and you know he has demons he has demons that he had to wrestle with and sometimes when you're wrestling and stuff, yo, the brother looked tired. He looked yeah. tired. And sometimes you just wrestling and demons pin you down and yo, you're like, man, let me go ahead. Just one sniffing on her. But the verse is joint. The verse is joint. I would say big ups to Snoop Dogg because what that was, that was Snoop Dogg giving X his flowers. Absolutely. Absolutely, I thought about it that way. And, and even Snoop said, this is what Versus should be about. It should be about brotherhood. I agree. I agree. He was lifting them up. Because, through, because okay, so their heydays were back when I was in high school. You know, those were the good, those were the good old days. Their heydays was when I was in high school. And you never even heard them refer to each other at any time, you wouldn't even guess they were friends. Right. But both of them, both of them, regard both of them regard themselves as dogs. You know, Snoop Dogg, DMX, the dog. Yep. And there's yeah. one part that's there's one part that I really love, that I really, really, really love, right? And that's when you know um, Snoop Dogg did the B's and S joint featuring Nate Dogg, R.I.P. Nate Dogg. Yeah. And Snoop said, "R.I.P. Nate Dogg." BMX yeah. so incredibly said, "Let me in, let me echo that R.I.P. Nate Dogg. Rest in peace, Nate Dogg, and rest in peace, Aaliyah." And drop that, come back in one piece joint. I, I, in one piece, yeah. He dropped Nate Dogg's joint. Yep, he dropped Nate Dogg's joint. Yeah, it just it just lets you know just how connected they are. We didn't know. I didn't know. Just like you, I didn't know they were connected like that, or that he that they would that they regarded each other in a certain in a certain manner. I didn't even know that. When I saw it, I was like, oh, okay, there's some history here that we're not aware of. You know, so I, I definitely respected that. I definitely what I also that. respect is the growth. Because, yo, Snoop Dogg, you remember the night, you remember the 93, 94 Source Awards, when he was talking all that junk about East Coast, you know, Snoop Dogg, yeah. was, you know, he was yeah. passing out. But X, 
X is East Coast Yonkers, New York to the core. And Snoop had him up in his house showing love. It's, it's called Grow. We all grow. When I became, when I was a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. That's in one of them, that's in one of them Corinthians somewhere. Yep. Yep. And that was, and that should have been more broadcast. That should have been highlighted more in terms of, because, but like I said, East Coast Wrestling, everybody knows this. East Coast Wrestling does that, that feud sells magazines. But that yep. brotherhood on the ground, the brotherhood on the ground was not talked about much. But it existed, and I'm just so glad to know now that it did exist. That it was, it was a reality. That these brothers did go beyond, beyond what was public. That there's a there's a there's a backstory. I'm proud of them, man. I'm proud to see. I'm proud of seeing the image of Snoop Dogg crip walking to get it on the floor. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a special moment. That was a, that was a, that was a nice moment. I think the best adjective I can come up with is was it was a nice, it was a heartfelt moment, man. And to see that and to know today that he's not with us, you know, like I said, it's been said a million times. Let's give people their roses and their flowers when they're here. Let's give yeah. them recognition when they're here, because now people are becoming more familiar. With X's backstory, when they wouldn't have had he not had he not passed, you know, legends grow when people pass. Legends grow. Oh, his uh, his new his upcoming album about to do about to break the end there. But as we start as we as we start to wrap this up, um, I will say that DMX's legacy has affected me in this way. Hey, that rhymes. Legacy affected me. But anyway, um, I would say his legacy affected me in this way. Number one, long before, long before, I mean, as I would teach, as I would, you know, talk to my students, I would entertain them with X ad libs. Like they would say to me, they would say something to me, and I'd be like, what? <laughs> then when we sound, I say, come on! <laughs> then when they back, I'm like, <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. I can see the looks and on their faces, man. <laughs> they would say, Mr. Q, why are you so crazy? And the second way is me being the follow me being a follower of the Lord like I am. Um I should not be saying that. I like to show that I am instead of saying it. But anyway, you know, all of us who are real with ourselves, we have struggles. DMX, Earl Simmons had his struggles, and he was very transparent about them. But that didn't stop him from opening up his Bible and praying, praying for people. And I love that. So one thing that I got from him is write that pain and turn that pain into love because that's what he did how did his legacy affect you one thing that you mentioned a short while back was as a christian you know you hold certain value and you're free of 
some point you recognize that you're free of demons, let's say, or free of anger, or free of darkness. But then you mentioned that you still have to be aware of it. And one of the phases that I've always used when trying to keep people vigilant about themselves in the situation is faith without work is dead. It's not enough to just have faith, but you have to apply the work in order to maintain that faith. X's legacy for me was one that's contrary to what you understood in the media about the roughness and the aggressiveness in the end, because you saw him with his daughter. You saw the, the softness there. You saw his embrace of fatherhood. You saw him on one of these reality shows in tears, pretty much asking for help and explaining, trying to explain through his through his crying that I'm in pain. I'm in pain. And that next needs to be recognized. Um, his legacy for me is one of survival. Given his backstory, one of survival and one of impact. Because we are talking about him today and we'll continue to talk about him. And his lyrics and his music and his movies will live on from a certain perspective, knowing more about them. Invest in your heroes. Invest in your, you know what I'm saying? Invest, when I say invest, I mean invest your time, your care, in your community, in your in knowing about what's going on with, with your heroes, with the people. Do, do you respect them to that degree? You know, and he deserves, he deserves, he deserves to be recognized for a legacy of impact. Not just for his generation, but for generations that came behind him. Impact on his children. So I applaud the brother. I'm sad that he's gone, but we, we shine a light on his greatness. I'll leave it there. I knew this would happen. Yeah, I'll leave it there. It was just, it's just, give them the flowers while they're here, everyone. Give people the flowers while they're here. And uh, AQ will be back in a second. But it's just not just words. And I I, oh, I truly understand the uh, impact and the consequential substance abuse can be on a family, on an individual, on someone's potential. Don't ignore it. Because then you're going to funerals, because then you're criticizing people, but then, because then you're excluding individuals from your circle who need to be embraced, who need to be hugged, who need to be understood, who don't need to be tisk tisked, who don't need to be a talking point for some politician. They need to be embraced. Let's not forget that when you're getting that finger pointed, when you're pointing your finger at somebody, it's for pointing back at you. Do some self-reflection. Do some self, some self-intuition. Do some self, you know, some self-analysis. Legacy of DMX for me is one that speaks to that story, that speaks to the ability to be able to survive, to endure. And you can't tell me that those in the audience right now cannot identify with that story, either for yourself or for someone that you know. When that phone rings sometimes, just someone, and I have some people who I'm mentoring now. I'm mentoring now, and all they needed was for me to pick up the phone and they felt better about themselves. People feel way more alone than you think they do. And sometimes a text or a phone call or 
something like that makes the difference in people's everyday lives. Remember, Tuesday's not like Wednesday. This is Sunday. Monday's going to be different. It's another day from hour. Call somebody. That loneliness is powerful. It can happen in a second. Trust me. I know. Trust me, I know. An episode can happen in a second, and all of a sudden, oh, he was here. When he was here, we were. Where is that concern when they're here? Believe me, I know. I'll if I have an opportunity, I'll speak with ADQ, and we can talk about uh, what my personal, my internal experience has been with this kind of thing. And that's why I speak from that perspective. From the perspective of, I can, I can, I can almost imagine what he was doing what X was doing right before the ambulance came. I can almost I can almost tell you what was going on that night and how he indulged. I can tell you what his thoughts were. Trust me, I can. ADQ was back. You know that life, you know that life like that, man? What's that? You know that uh you know you know that life like that? Like um you can probably you can probably understand what he was doing prior to his overdose. I can tell you. I mean, that's a great story for another time, but I can tell you. I can see what he was. I can see him. I can see what he was thinking. Well, just I tell you what. I tell you what. What we will do is, you know. We will mourn his passing, but we'll praise his right. ascension right. to the ancestors. We will praise the fact that he isn't that he's not in pain anymore. And we will praise the fact that we will be we will praise and be grateful for the fact that he gave us 50 years. He gave us half of a century. We will celebrate his So what? Right. We will celebrate his we'll celebrate his impact. I say that's what we say. Right. Impact. We can mourn his loss. Big in Tupac, they didn't see fifty. They didn't see thirty. Right. You can look in the past, but don't stare too long. Celebrate. We celebrate his history. Celebrate his memory. His impact. For sure. So, thank you all for tuning in to this episode of ADQ's Renaissance. Uh. What we doing next episode? I don't know at the moment, but I would make sure to keep you all updated. Yo, uh, yo, uh, Alan, what's your favorite play? Favorite play? It all depends. The one that I've seen and performed, or my favorite play altogether. Honestly, both. both. My performance, favorite performance. Robert Guillaume did Guys and Dolls on Broadway one time absolutely fantastic pearl bailey pearl bailey did hello doll we know it as a carol channing barbara streisand thing pearl bailey did hello doll and i saw her on broadway and that performance was fantastic because if you know hello dolly there's a certain opening she didn't like the opening this is on broadway she didn't like the opening and she told the audience we're going to start again my favorite play entirely, uh, I gotta tell you, Soldier's Play, probably. August Wilson. It became Soldier Story in the movie, but Soldier's Play, August Wilson. Ho, 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 ho. You can tell me that a Soul Story 
They had um, Robert Townsend, um, um, Adolf Caesar, um, and, uh, and Denzel Washington was a soldier's play written by August Wilson. Yeah, soldier's play was August Wilson. Wow. Unless I'm very, so, very mistaken. Yeah. So I think I think I think another topic for us to uh talk about will be the collaboration between Denzel Washington and August Wilson because Denzel Washington knows how to knows how the knows how to maneuver August Wilson's words. It's a perfect match. Perfect it match. is writer and, and, and actor. Perfect match. Absolutely. It is. But till next time, I'm ADQ. He's a W. Uh, celebrate your celebrate your loved ones, uh, blood and non-blood. Uh, we'll holler at y'all next time. This ADQ's Renaissance 100. Who thought that I would reach 100 episodes? I bet y'all didn't think I would reach 100 episodes. <laughs> 100. Yes, Patrick, sir. How you gonna meet me on the tail end, man? Shout out to Patrick. Ferrara, you know, great, great acting teacher over in Wilmington. You know, he taught me some, he taught me some moves and grooves while he was here in Greensboro. So shout out to Patrick. But hey, Patrick, catch us on the rewind again. I'm ADQ. He's AW. This yes, sir. I'm from Shelltown. He's from BK. You all have a blessed day. Peace. Peace. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. And the suffering. Hey, I'm slipping. I'm falling. I can't get up. Hey, I'm slipping. I'm falling. I can't get up. Hey, I'm slipping. I'm falling. I got to get up. Get back on my feet so I can cast it. Hey, I'm slipping. I'm falling. I can't get up. Hey, I'm slipping. I'm falling. I can't get up. Hey, I'm slipping. I'm falling. I got to get up. Get back on my feet so I can cast it. I've been through mad different faces, like mazes, to find my way. And now I know that happy days are not far away. If I'm strong enough, I live long enough to see my kids. Doing something more constructive with the time than bids. I know because I've been there, now I'm in there. Sit back and look at what it took for me to get there. First came the ball, the drama with my mama. She got on some fly shit, so I split and said that I'ma be that seed that doesn't need much to succeed. Strapped with mad greed, a heart that doesn't bleed. I'm ready for the world, or at least I thought I was. When I caught a bus, I was thinking about how short I was Going too fast, it wouldn't last, but yo, I couldn't tell Group homes and institutions, prepared my for jail They put me in a situation, forcing me to be a man When I was just learning to stand without a helping hand Damn, was it my fault, something I did To make a father leave his first kid at seven, doing my first bid Back on the scene at 14, with a scheme To get more green than I'd ever seen in the dream And by all means, I will be living high off the hog And I never gave a fuck about much but my dog Get up.
to have Gets worse as I get old Actions become bold Heart got cold Chip on my shoulder that I didn't uh, touch Didn't need a click cause I scared it uh -huh. That much One deep with the starting uh -huh. for kicks Catching Vicks, throwing bricks Getting by, being slick Used to get high just to get by Used to have to ball in the morning before I get fly Ate something, couple of 40s made me hate something After some hurt, now I'm ready to take something Three years later showing signs of stress Didn't keep my hair cut or give up how I dress I'm possessed by the darker side Living the cruddy life Like this, kept with a bloody knife Wanna make records, but I'm f***ed up Slipping, I'm falling, can't get up Hey, I'm slipping, falling, I can't get up Hey, I'm slipping, falling, I can't get up Hey, I'm slipping, falling Got to get up, get back on my feet so I can tear Hey, yo, I'm slipping, I'm falling, I can't get up Hey, yo, I'm slipping, I'm falling, I can't get up Hey, yo, I'm slipping, I'm falling, I got to get up Get back on my feet so I can tear Wasn't long before I hit rock bottom Like, damn, look how that got Open like a window, no more endo Look at a video, say to myself, that could've been yo on the TV, believe me, it could be done Something got to give, got to change Now I got a son I got to do the right thing for shorty And that means no more getting high Drinking 40, so I get back Looking tight, slick again Fake, jump back on my again Nothing but love for those that know how it feel And much respect to all my Kept it real, it's strong Kept it from doing wrong Who they is, and this is your song And to my boo, who stuck with it, I do All the bulls Let's get it on. We don't give a what, what, we don't give a what, what. Get it on the flow, get it, get it on the flow. Get it on the flow, get it, get it on the flow. You don't want to party, then your ass gotta go. You don't want to party, then your ass gotta go. And if you ride with this motherfucker, bounce to this motherfucker, freak to this motherfucker. Let's get it on. Makes the hurt go away for a minute But I'm gonna die by it Cause I'm like knee deep in it And you mother 
in my face, you see that hard shit Cause I done been to hell and back, I ain't with selling crack I'd rather rob a nigga, leave him with a shell up in his back On the real, just to show proof, hit the GWB Blow the whole roof off a tall boot, bitch ass nigga This man still a kid It's on the rails I don't wet up more motherfuckers The water did I slid Cause I got to slide When the dirt is done I'm a side But they want me on the murder one But as long as I got my gun I'm alright Stay out of sight While it's light It took him out at night To make moves again Stomp and bruise again I know I'm going to hell Cause I choose to sin All my motherfucking life I've been the devil's advocate Now niggas never even knew The devil had a kid But he does And when you hit a buzz And a chainsaw He'll know what I spilled Your motherfucking brains for Sometimes uh, I wonder how I became the preacher. You always had that charisma, flair, but I carried him in my heart. Yeah. You know, uh, somehow I always end up right back here. No matter where I go, I end up right back here, in the same hood I grew up in. And who do I run into but you? And this is where you'll find me. But this is where I belong. This is where my heart is. We grew up out on those rough streets, man. And it was rough. 
So tell me, where's your heart at? God, he was a man like us. Guess that means we all need a good cry once in a while. There's another terrible things I've done. Huh? Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. I really blew it this time. He gave it all to me and I blew it. You know, I've been sitting in this church for three long years, thinking I blew it. You know what it's like to put in work on the streets? The anger takes hold of you. This one guy owed me $1,000. You got Bill Gates sitting on $56 billion. $1,000. I ran down on him in broad daylight. But you know? Bullets don't have any names. I ended up hitting his little sister, 17 years old, on her way to college. I did 10 years for that. But I still see her face as plain as day, every day. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. Sorry? Don't be sorry for me. God has the power to forgive. He wiped my slate clean a long time ago. You should only be sorry, you only blew it, when you decided to give up. Respect the power of the Lord. Once you understand that, you'll be all right. every day another chance to make it right you speak the truth my man the truth only means something if the person who is listening understands it you've been a good friend I thank you you've been a really good friend only God is good only God Thank you. 